0: Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan. It has Hulu title premium, 15 gigabytes mobile hotspot, and full HD. Atlas, we need to shout that from the rooftops. Best deal ever! I didn't mean literally. Switch to Sprints Unlimited Plus Plan for just $42 per line, but hurry for a limited time. It's now $22 per line when you bring or buy your own phones. So visit Sprint.com slash Unlimited or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Price with $5 per month auto pay discount. One Hulu limited commercials plan for Sprint account. Features differ. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Includes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines subject to credit and third-dollar activation fee speed. Maximums use rules and restrictions apply. Give me a break. That's what we're going to do, Michael. We're going to be like accounts now in baseball. Uh, what is it? The Pythagorean Theorem. The Pythagorean Theorem said that the Red Jays Offensive Line, that their record should be one in one that's the Pythagorean theorem that the Wait, Giants offensive line that their record going be throwing off. Wow. it's football I've been watching it for 40 years 40 40 years guys being dudes Whoa.
1: What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Carino of NDT Scouting with Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with Banrag Sports. And we are your hosts here on a Monday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast, uh, coming off of, of a great Friday episode where we uh, did a live Instagram feed of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Which you guys you guys can listen to on the regular mediums that you enjoy listening to our podcast on, but we, we, we were able to open up for the listeners and now viewers of Draft News, and we had a blast on Friday. Welcome, Kyle, and I uh, hope you had a wonderful weekend.
2: Thanks, Joe. Uh, good to be back on the regular recording schedule. uh Sorry not to be drinking any whiskey for tonight's recording, unlike what I did on Friday. I got several compliments on my whiskey pour talents uh, while you were speaking your mind on some of the questions that we got, uh, but that time is coming soon enough. It's almost time to sit down, have a nice glass of whiskey, and grind some tape.
1: Man, booze and booze and tape, man. Is that why you have some, some funky evaluations, or is that, uh, is that aid in clearing your mind to focus in?
2: Um, probably a little bit of both. I, I want to give a shout out to whoever, if you think back to last week or if you missed last week's shows, we asked uh, everybody who's listening to Draft Deuce to give us a five star iTunes review on the podcast. And we are going to randomly select someone who gave us a five star review uh, to get our 2018 NFL Draft Guides, both Joe's and mine. Somebody left us a five-star review that says, I love your terrible analysis, which I think is just amazing. Because, you know, this is obviously tongue-in-cheek. But, Joe, how many times a day are you told you're an idiot or you're wrong on social media as we go through our works this time of year?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the one that stood out recently was somebody told me that Baker Mayfield is going to be bad because he played in the Big Twelve, and no quarterbacks that are good in the NFL played in the Big Twelve. And so I was told that I was an idiot for thinking he was worth trading up for. So look, it's just uh, just comes with the uh, the nature of doing this work, where all we do is give our opinions left and right, and they're right there, right for the criticism of the people.
2: Well, that was dumb, right, Joe? You <laughs> idiot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, and, go ahead and bet against Baker Mayfield. If that's the next thing, if that's the next criticism that people are going to make up to, uh, to make an excuse for why they don't think Baker Mayfield's going to be good, well then, uh, this is going to be a really exhausting final 60-something days until the NFL draft.
2: And let's think about how close this is now, though. You know, we got the combine next week. Combine starts next week, which is exciting. Because this is kind of the time period, Joe, where we can get some final answers on these guys. We've done film work on a lot of guys already, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is some of the more complicated film studies that we've had and why they're challenging. But once we get the combine numbers, both you and I factor these things into our player evaluations, and we're going to have the final numbers, and we're going to have final grades on these guys, which I'm really excited for this time, not this time next week, but this time two weeks from now, the entire combine will have come and gone.
1: And you will be boots on the ground again in Indy. Yes. Taking care of that first-hand look at the combine. I'll be back in the office keeping track of all the numbers, live for the people like I've done every year. And so, we are excited to to cover the combine like we do every year.
2: Yeah, this is uh, year two for me, second year in a row. So, this is actually the third time I'll have been in Indianapolis in 365 days. Two NFL combines in the Big Ten Championship game. So me and the city of Indianapolis are quickly becoming very acquainted. And I'm a big fan. Indy's a fun little Midwest town.
1: Yeah, I've been there uh, not for those purposes, but I've, I've enjoyed my visits to Indianapolis as well. Kyle, like you said, our goal today is to talk about some of the oddities on these 2018 prospects and watching their 2017 film. And I'm going to start this thing off by talking about Hercules Mata Afa, the Washington State player. Uh, that, that Player. <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> that's six foot two, 240 pounds, and he plays nose tackle. Sometimes three technique, occasionally five technique. But uh, mostly right there as a shade over the center and Kyle I don't know about you but um, I don't think in this day and age 2018 NFL we have defensive linemen that are playing at this size and not to quickly discriminate against this size because obviously it's not going to work on the interior and he's going to be a projection so don't come out and say I'm an idiot for not being creative and not being able to find a place for Mata of. but the reality is, is this is a player that has to move And he's not playing defensive tackle in the NFL. He's going to have to play edge or he's going to have to play off the ball. But then you try to think about what do I take from this tape that leads me to believe he can play in either spot. So the first one you want to go to naturally is edge. Can he play edge? Well, I don't see a player with any semblance of knowing how to use his hands. Right? Like defensive line play, edge work, rushing the passer, getting off blocks, is all about being able to win with your hands and disengage from blocks. And this is a guy who, This Washington State defensive line, everybody's small. And so they just twisted and turned and stunned every single play. And so he never had to do that. All he was doing is tilting through gaps. And so um, you want to talk about just an entire learning, like uh, just going back to the elementary roots of of hand usage is what he's going to have to do to be able to play edge on the outside. I don't think he has any length, right? So we talk about length being an important trait for playing edge in the NFL. I bet you this guy's got maybe 31-inch arms give or take an inch in either direction maybe um he's a narrow build he doesn't really have a lot of space to to get thicker in my opinion and you watch him kind of rush through all of these gaps and really just kind of kind of attack and loop through there's not a lot of flexibility he's very loopy in how he uh has to slip block blocks and then come back underneath the quarterback and and work back you know he doesn't really have any of that bend and flexibility so this the skill set's not really there to play edge so now you start thinking all right well is his best opportunity to make it, get to be an off-ball linebacker, and that's kind of where I'm starting to think his best chance is. Now, that's an entire another world, an entire another level of the defense that he's going to have to learn, so, you know, Hercules Mata'afa, look, I get it, he's got all kinds of crazy production, and, and he did all these, these, made all these fun plays, really urgent football player playing defensive tackle at Washington State, but we're talking about translating this guy to the next level where the big boys play, and uh, man, I don't know if 6240 forty. Six-two-two forty. Where he's going to fit, but it's going to be a, a lot of guessing to figure it out based on what you see from his twenty seventeen tape.
2: Joe, anything else you'd like to say while you're on your soapbox up
1: here? Uh, I, you know what? I think that was one of those where I forgot to breathe and all that, but uh, <laughs> it felt good. To, it felt good to say all that. Get so.
2: that off your chest, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Move on. So uh, I will say this: I don't know that I disagree with you in anything that you just said. Mata best traits are first step and motor. Where does that get you? Where do you value a player like that? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Joe, my, my first oddity is a guy that plays the edge and he's Harold Landry from Boston College. And I'm going to tell you why Harold Landry is an oddity. Because I think his 2017 tape is pretty much worthless. If you have a guy like Harold Landry, who is so much of a speed and bend and corner player, and he plays this year and he's trying to play through an ankle injury, guess where where a vast majority of your flexion and bend takes place in your lower body if you're one of these speedy, bendy, flexible boundary pass rushers in your ankles. So, now this may be a surprise, but if you can't bend your ankle because you're hurt, and your entire play is centered around bend, you're probably going to have a pretty ugly year on tape. And that's a lot of what you saw from Harold Landry. You know, there were the flashes of, you know, that really hard, flattened pin to the quarterback as a pass rusher. But by and large, so much of what Landry did this year, it just looked off. And then you go back and you rewatch 2016, and 2016, coming into the year, my comp is like, he's the Vic Beasley mold pass rusher. Super twitchy. He's a little light in the trunk. He's not going to really anchor exceptionally well at the point of attack as a run defender early on in his NFL career. And then he comes into this year, and then there's the, the lower body ankle injury, and he just he never looks right. So I'm sitting here, and I'm doing inventory on his, his film from this year and weighing it versus last year and trying to, to understand the quote-unquote, context on the film, I don't know how much I'm really going to weigh his 2017 film because he's hurt in an area that directly negates what he does best. And that makes him a bit of a complicated player and, and a player on film that uh, that that's not... You don't get a ton of cases like that. We have a couple this year. I know we're going to talk about a couple of them, Joe, but... It makes it for a more complicated film study. If you were to swap his 17 and 16 film, he'd be right in the conversation where everybody had him before the year. We're talking about this is a potential top, top-tier top pass rusher.
1: Kyle, speaking of ankle injuries, our boy Darius Geist, the running back from LSU, battled one of those pretty much the entire season. And when you look at his statistical output, his yards per carry – in twenty sixteen was seven point six and that dipped to five point three in twenty seventeen. That's over two yards less per carry and it's still a good mark. Five point three yards per rush is really good, but you know, it's it's an it's an indicator of, of just some of the issues Darius Guys had this year with that ankle and and it prohibited him and if you want to see the best version of Darius Geis you've got to put on the 2016 tape uh, because you are going to see an exceptional talent you know we, we spent a, a recent show here really outlining Darius Geis and his his skill set so we encourage you to go back and listen to that to kind of get the full uh deep dive on where Kyle and I stand on him but we you know we both see a guy who's uh a, 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 the guy that's capable of being a featured uh, running back at the next level with really good contact balance and Really good vision and uh, really good ability to just uh, break through tackles and win win after he's hit. And, um, you know, when you talk about this offense that he played in this year, ankle injury aside, you know, it's it was a big transition. They brought in Matt Canada, which surprisingly didn't go as well as I thought it would. Now he's already off to Maryland. But when you think about Matt Canada's offense, the entire thing is predicated on – motion before the snap to really get the defense thinking but then it's about setting up those angles and uh setting up very advantageous angles for offensive linemen to move bodies and for for the running backs to really cut off of them and when his ankle isn't right you know he's not really able to take advantage of that like we saw last year from a guy like james connor in that same offense so uh darius Geisman this is a really outstanding football player, and if you just watch twenty seventeen, you're you're going to see a good football player, but you're not going to see the best version of him. You got to get back to twenty sixteen and see that skill set because it is very exciting, and, and it's certainly capable of being uh, a guy that can be the workhorse back in an NFL rushing attack.
2: Joe, is there a coincidence here, or are some people just kind of missing the context where you're hearing some? Big-time, prominent analysts start to put out some position rankings, and Darius Geis is not RB2. We're hearing about how Darius Geis might slip to the second round, and you know Harold Landry's kind of a forgotten afterthought. Even in a really thin edge rusher class, it just really feels like the 2017 tape is being weighted so prominently on both of these guys. It's an interesting debate and question that you ask is if you watch the 2016 do you, do you still feel that way or is it just because the order of the games happen and and do you prescribe to that theory I'm I I think linear watching film linearly where you start at the beginning and work your way through to the most recent game works well if you're seeing positive growth and development but if you see regression you know, you have to ask why. This this talent doesn't just disappear like that. You don't just forget how to play. You have to ask why, why is there the regression on the field? And I think for both of these guys, there's a really clear answer.
0: Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV.
2: Like, don't blame me either, okay? It's, it's, I'm just saying. Just, just make a point here. Let's, let's talk about the other LSU guy who had a rough year this year, Arden Key. Arden Key entered this season uh, very, very highly regarded as far as his on-the-field talents. And You watched him play this year, and Joey didn't. You know, we just got done talking about Harold Landry being a really bendy guy. Arden Key did not bend as well this year as what I was expecting him to. But you and I had a pretty in-depth conversation about Arden Key and his ceiling and what he can be uh, just the other day, off air, uh, where we talked about okay, if he hits his ceiling, uh, where where can he be as a player? And uh, I put the question out to the the Twitter sphere: if Arden Key reaches his ceiling, what do you think a comparison is for him? And I actually got the one that you mentioned, and I got two or three other people that said it: Demarcus Ware is an interesting one, because this is not a super hyper-flexible kind of guy. He can corner well, but he's got more of a prominent power element to his game, and that's what we saw from Arden Key this year as compared to last year's. We saw Arden Key play along the line of scrimmage much more effectively. He's still got a great first step. We know he's got a great first step, but as far as flattening, I – wasn't expecting to see some of the tightness at the peak of the pocket when he's trying to turn the corner on offensive tackles that we did see here. So now I'm kind of conflicted, and I have to ask myself, okay, where, where else is there translatable wins here for Arden Key? And I thought he did a tremendous job this year anchoring at the point of attack and utilizing his length and stacking blocks and getting his hands extended and then discarding blocks in that regard. Uh, whereas 2016 was just a pass-rush showcase. So Arden Key had some injury issues. He spent some time away from the program. There's some rumored off-the-field questions and red flags here that need to be accounted for. There's a lot for Arden Key that has to be vetted, but he's even complicated on the field because he was a great pass rusher in 2016. And then he comes out this year, and all of a sudden he's better against the run. And his pass-rushing... I felt like wasn't to the degree that I was expecting it to be. So Arden Key, do you feel comfortable with the red flags and are you going to draft him based on his ceiling? If that's the case, I think he'll go earlier than people are currently suggesting or asserting that he could. But if not, if it turns out there's a lot of fire where there's all this smoke as far as the the off-the-field stuff, uh, he could end up being a steal if he slides because... He does have a great ceiling, but I don't know where his floor is right now because I don't know what part of Arden Keys' issues this year were injury related, you know, he, he had like three different injuries from the summertime and and the spring through until the end of the season, and I don't know what what part of that is, you know, where he's truly at as an athlete with the weight that he's carrying versus the weight that he was the year before. It, there's a lot of variables here with Arden Keys' film. Kyle, let's uh let's
1: get very practical here. You're the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I might add, you might be an upgrade over uh, Mr. Oh, Mike but there. Uh, so you're the, you're the general oh, manager of the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're in dire need of pass rushing help. How early are you going to actually invest a draft pick in Arden Key? Now you've got kind of like a top eight pick oh. in every round, so is he in play there? I think at seven is where Tampa's at. Is he in play there at the top of the second? The third, where are you comfortable actually pulling the trigger here, based on what you know?
2: Oh, Joe, got first you, of all. I've got you squirming. I like it. You, you've got me sweating because you just threw Jason Light under the bus, man. Um, <laughs> is he a listener? I'm sorry if he is. He, he could be. Oh, okay. you know, Jason's a, a friend of, good friend of the program, Trevor sigma oh, a friend of a friend. So you just never know if it, if it gets passed around. But – Look, I, th- I think top ten, Arden Key, just it doesn't make sense right. for me based off of what I know. Could I see the New York Jets, if they don't like the quarterbacks that are there at six, could I see the New York Jets taking Arden Key? Absolutely. It feels like a Jets thing to do, and I'm sorry if you're a Jets fan, but you guys have dropped the ball on some draft picks here, and the Jets also – have dropped the ball on some edge evaluations and the Jets don't have a lot of edge guys and a lot of stand up outside pass rushers and the Jets love to pick defense in the first round so I think the Jets are kind of the team that I'm, I'm kind of circling saying if there's, if there's a guy in the top 10 who's going to pull the trigger on our key <laughs> my money would be on the Jets
1: uh, we just it's, lost our listener base in New York City Fantastic. no
2: <laughs> stop it we still have the Giants we're fine um it's not me at Tampa if I'm if I'm okay. calling the shots for Tampa okay. I even think round two man you no know, I think Randy Gregory's kind of like the ceiling yeah. right yeah I Randy do. Gregory went 60. if I'm drafting in the first 10 picks in the second round I'm expecting a day one starter and I'm expecting a guy that I can count on for one to two contracts and I don't know that you get that with Arden key based off of There's so much that I personally don't know. So I'm probably going to shade more towards third round is where I personally feel comfortable without having the ability to vet all of the -the off-the-field questions there are with this player.
1: Okay, Kyle, let's move on here to Mark Andrews, Oklahoma tight end, or is he? Um, It's interesting, Oklahoma tight end, Mark Andrews, good football player. He's in the running to be one of my my first, second, or third tight end, the combine numbers will help me sort that out a bit. But he's very close with uh, Hayden Kirsten and Dallas Goder from the top of my tight end board. But he's interesting because when you watch him on film, he doesn't play in line really ever. And as a matter of fact, courtesy of our good friends at Pro Football Focus, under 10% of his snaps this season were played in line. So, um, you know, he's he really kind of just functioned more as a as a massive slot. Now, I don't want to say he's... Uh, A Jason Morrow type player Uh, but in terms of how he was used in college I mean there's some parallels there and um, he's a super productive player almost a thousand yards eight touchdowns this past season but when you're talking about you know him playing at the next level and being an inline tight end you know he hasn't had a lot of experience doing that And it's funny because it's not like he's not big enough he's listed at 6'6 255 and so you'd expect a guy like that to be utilized in that capacity. And here's where it really gets funny to me, Kyle, because it's not that it's just they didn't call for inline tight ends in Oklahoma's offense. It's that they brought in other guys to play inline tight end instead of putting Marco Andrews in that situation, which could be pretty telling. And so you know, look, we want guys at the next level that can can fulfill all the roles, right, guys that can play in line, you can move them around, they can work as a wing, all that different type of stuff. Well, Mark Andrews doesn't really have a lot of experience playing in line, and Oklahoma was intentional about
2: putting other players on the field when they needed an in-line blocker. Yeah, that's um, it's complicated. It's an, it's an oddity, and that's what today's all about. So good call, Joe, talking about Mark Andrews. Uh, the last guy I want to talk about is another guy that had an injury-riddled season, and in my opinion, is really getting slept on. We've talked about him a fair amount on draft dudes over the course of the past month or so, and that's Louisville corner Jair Alexander. Uh, if you go back and watch Jair against uh, Florida State and Clemson in 2016, my goodness, he is super scrappy. He's super physical at the catch point. He is super quick. He's got lightning-fast feet. He's really sticky in man-to-man situations, and he's quick to undercut throws if he's breaking forward. I would say, uh, I just watched Dante Jackson from LSU uh, the other day, Joe. Dante Jackson's probably the only guy, as far as his click-and-close ability, that I would put over what I saw from Jair Alexander in 2016. Uh, the difference between the two is Dante Jackson's, like, maybe 180, If you put a pair of bricks in his pockets, where Jair Alexander, we're expecting him to come in at the combine above 195. We're expecting him to come in close to six foot. Uh, He had great tackling habits in 2016 as well. He was a special teams guy, uh, really good with the ball in his hands. He got hurt early in the year in 2017. He tried to play through it a couple games and he would tell he was off. He ended up sitting a lot of the season. Uh, don't sleep. You know This is kind of a wide open corner group as far as pick your poison. Who do you want to be your top corner? I'm still shading towards Jair Alexander being my top corner this year despite the frustrating film and season that he had because when he's right like we said, you don't forget how to play a certain way. And Jair's play was not diminished based on anything other than another lower body leg injury that that really dictated his ability to play the game the way that he is best suited to play. Kyle, that's
1: interesting. I, I love Jair. I think there's games in 2016's film where I don't know if you can play better. I mean, he's so versatile, and, and that's what's so interesting about this cornerback class is there's guys that project well to, to zone schemes, and there's guys that project well, man-to-man, and in really kind of niche corners, more slot guys. Jair's the one guy that I think is pretty scheme transcendent. I don't know if you agree with that, but I've seen him I be do. very, very solid in any role, and I love that he gives you that interchangeable upside to do anything you want uh, in terms of your coverage packages.
2: No, I'm totally with you 100%. If I'm looking for Pressman, build Technique, cover three, cover two, Jair's a guy that can play all of them. Because he can move well, he's still physical when he carries routes up the field. Uh, he's really disciplined with his eyes as far as keeping his eyes in the backfield so he can click and close and, and attack as the quarterback cocks his arm to throw. Uh, I, I think you're 100% spot on there. If you're looking for a scheme transcending guy, a guy that you know maybe you got a defensive coordinator that uh, is kind of on the hot seat coming into the year, don't be afraid to take a guy like Jair because it doesn't matter who you bring in this guy's going to be able to play it, and that's that's what makes him such an attractive option at the top of the group for me, Joe. So let's go ahead and put a bow on this thing, wrap up this Monday episode of the Draft Dudes. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. As a reminder, uh, if you're interested in our 2018 draft guides, which if you're listening to this, you should be. If not, shame on you. Then we need you to leave us a five-star review on iTunes of the podcast, Draft Dudes Podcast. Tell us why you love it. And then, Joe, I think we agreed Friday. Is Friday the day?
1: We're going to do a live drawing.
2: Yep. Next Friday we're going to do a live drawing on the live Instagram Draft Dudes Podcast that we're going to be airing. Uh, And we're going to pick the winner who's going to get those 2018 draft guides when they're done this year. So you guys have about four days now. To get your five-star reviews in tell us why you love the show and we're going to pick somebody if you already pre-ordered the draft guides we will reimburse you your money that is a promise so there's no reason for you guys not to swing over to ndtscouting.com check out everything that we've got going on in the site this is our heyday baby we're putting up a ton of great content uh, daily basis and you can pre-order those draft guides go to the register tab uh, get your 12-month subscription to NDT Premium. Uh, we're going to have some insider stuff coming up this year. Joe and I are continuing to work on perfecting that program so that you guys get your best bang for your buck. But at the end of the day, you get two draft guides for 20 bucks, 300 players. Joe and I do the same 300 players, but we each grade each of the players. So you're getting 600 reports on 300 players. 20 bucks. Just don't go out to lunch or, or go to Arby's and get something off the dollar menu. Hmm. Arby's. If you are looking for a sponsorship on Draft Dudes, let's go, baby. <laughs> you know you can you can Draft Dudes sponsored by Arby's. I think so. Oh,
1: wow.
2: Yeah, that was the, free, the that
1: first one was free.
2: Yeah, the first one is free. <laughs> the second one, not so much. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to, some more recommendations for who can sponsor Draft Dudes, you can let us know on Twitter. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at NDT Scouting. And if you're looking forward to Friday's live stream, that is on Instagram at the handle, NDT Scouting. I'm Kyle Krabs, signing off with Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. We will talk to you all on hump day.
0: Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV.